Hi everyone, I'm Mitchell Rail, and welcome back to Let's Unpack That. So today's my birthday, well, technically the 29th, so tomorrow. If you're listening to this on the 28th, it's tomorrow. But anyways, today, my gift to all of you. I need to introduce you guys to the third host of Let's Unpack That. Um, you may know her, she's one of my best friends. I love her so much, and I'm so happy to have her here and joining the fam. The one and only, Sarah Smith. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Yes, audience clapping like iCarly with the Sam remote. Yes, great to be here. Great to be back. Love this podcast. Yeah. So, so yeah. tell everyone real quickly who mm. you are. Okay. You're a straight yep. female. Yeah. This woman. The whole package. Tell everyone a little bit about your point of view and your perspective sure, that you bring to the pod. Sure. Um, well, I feel like I bring just kind of a different um, experience in terms of dating, in terms of life, obviously, because I'm not a gay, you know, member of the LGBTQIA community. But at the same time with being a woman, I feel like there's a lot of kind of um, parallels with my experiences and a lot of your experiences, but also kind of being aware of the fact that our experiences are different. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's just a good contrast. and We can all learn from each other. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I love hearing the stories. I love the both of you so much. So it's just kind of a good, fun thing. I yeah, like it. So weird. Mm-hmm. Us, do you have a group chat? Oof, yeah. Yeah, we do. We have a group chat. And you and Sarah. Yeah. Have a little, little drama. And Sarah, I've heard, wants to confront you. I, okay, confronts a little strong. <laughs> she wants to Jerry Springer me. I do. I want to go on Maury. We're going to bring that show back. With all the fists. Yes. We do have a group chat, and it's full of Mitchell and I asking legitimate questions and Wade sending gay Twitter memes, and that's usually how it works. It is. But there, yeah, I was open about some a little thing my, my boyfriend did for me, which was to put my name in his Instagram bio and Wade thought that it would be absolutely hysterical to change his Instagram bio to Sarah Smith in between hearts and like 30 lip biting emojis is what really just kind of was the cherry on top. So he did that, um, which would be normally fine, except for he had um, requested to follow my you told boyfriend. Me to follow him. I did, but I didn't tell you to th- also change your your bio, which is like the most like <laughs> mm-hmm. petty, shady jab. Yeah. So <laughs> I did not mean. No, I know, I know. So um, he requested to follow him, and I think thirty seconds later, he calls me, and it's just like, is is this your friend? And is he like making fun of me? And I was like, oh my god, no. And I'm. Go in our group chat. I'm like, wait, take that out of your bio right now. Like, just, and of course he's laughing. And he's like, it's, it's funny. Let me take a screenshot of it before I delete it. And he did. And so that lives in our group chat. But you really hurt Bailey's feelings. I'm sorry, Bailey. Um, I did it because I love you. Like, we don't need to cause another problem. <laughs> not <laughs> not, not in that way. Do. But uh, yeah. I do love you. Of course. And I think it's like a funny joke to put like. It is funny. It's like, <laughs> oh, I think it's funny. It's like. It's, <laughs> I think it's funny. I just, yeah. Well, I just had to bring it up. Just I'm just, it. I'm just a, a goofy boy. I'm sorry, Bailey. It's a Bailey fan club. We love Bailey. We do. We love Bailey. Okay. Yeah. Well, a new era begins. I'm yeah. excited to have you guys here. Wade, Sarah, you guys will be rotating around with the guests, but. Yeah. Such a fun podcast to have, and I'm so glad mm-hmm. to have you guys here to share your guys' stories and perspectives and thoughts on things. I'm so back, fun. bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and no. I'm still here. <laughs> okay. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a full episode for you guys. Here you guys go. Enjoy. Wish Mitchell a happy birthday. Yeah, it's my birthday. 23. Happy birthday. That's so Leo of you. So Leo. It's really... 
Leo me to open stuff. I like it's my birthday. It's my birthday. Yeah, <laughs> like right away. But no it's hesitation. All about you. No, it's not. I don't like. No, I don't like that much attention. No, no, no. It's all about him. But he's not gonna tell you. It's mm-hmm. all about him. He just expects he you to make it. He wants a surprise party, but he, he's never gonna. Right. He he wants it. He expects it to be all about him, but he's never gonna tell you to make it all about him mm-hmm. because he's a Leo. Mm-hmm. Look at him. <laughs> Enjoy the episode, guys. Okay. Shade. <laughs> this podcast is produced by Visionary Studios. Hi everyone, I'm Mitchell Rail. And I'm Sarah Smith. And welcome back to Let's Unpack That. Today we are joined by one of my favorite drag queens here in Milwaukee, absolutely killing the game. Welcome to Let's Unpack That, Anya K. Thundercat. How are you? I'm good. Hello everybody. Thank you for having me on the pod today. Yes, of course. Yeah. It's an honor to have you here. Thank you so much for making the time. So tell everyone a little bit about you. Who are you? What do you do? Okay. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Anya K. Thundercat. For those that do know me, Hey, bitch, it's good to see you again. <laughs> um, basically, I am a 24-year-old drag artist, drag performer here in Wisconsin, most importantly in Milwaukee and Madison. Um, I've been doing drag since 2017, and I'm just a badass bitch. Period. Love Period. It. As you yes. should be. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into drag? What was that like for you? So for me, the funny thing about it is like people tell me, they're like, oh, you're really, really good. And I'm like, thank you, because I'm a perfectionist. I'm a Leo. Here so, Leo so, season. Leo I'm season. For it. So it's oh, like, no. when we do stuff, like we need the bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it mm-hmm. like to the thousand percent. Mm-hmm. So when it came to drag, my like best friend in drag, Amethyst, we're drag sisters and we have the same drag family. Mm-hmm. Like there was a club in Madison called Plan B. They're closed now. Okay. But they were holding auditions to kind of like be like house queen or like the okay. house girls okay. and Amethyst wanted to do it and I was like I'm just I would rather carry your bags and yeah. just yeah. you know have a good time and just drink um, <laughs> <laughs> and just drink and be fabulous in the background I you know it. very the Ryan to her Sharpe. yeah 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 right. and um, she ended up going to Tokyo because her sister was teaching over there oh, fun. Okay. Wow. and I was like okay well if she's not gonna audition I'll just do it for shits and giggles mm-hmm. and then yeah. they were like yeah you made the cast and I was like, okay, I didn't have any drag. <laughs> and like the only drag I really knew about was like drag race. Yeah. And right. then I started going to the local shows. Mm-hmm. So I just auditioned for fun. And then they were like, yeah, this is serious. Like you have to work. So you, you wow. get this gig, you get onto the show. What is like that initial process of like, how do you get everything ready? Like what was your first steps into, you know, making that leap to be ready for the show? So my whole life, I've always been an entertainer. So like yeah. I grew up in church. So like. Being campy was just something that, like, I already knew about, like, my Mm -hmm. aunts and my mom. So when it came to, like, drag, I already had a love of, like, music, art, and fashion. So basically, drag is, like, you being your own Beyonce. Like, you're the one doing the hair, you're the one doing the makeup. And especially if you're as, like, calculated as, like, a Leo is. Like, we're like, okay, (laughs) I need everything to be perfect. So when I first started, I was wearing, like a blazer from, like, Five Below and, like, a t-shirt dress from Forever 21. But I went out there, and you couldn't tell me that I wasn't walking Fashion Week. Right. <laughs> I love it. Yes. As you're getting ready for the show, like, what is your process like, even, you know, as you're just even now in your career? Like, when you're putting together outfits or just your outfit or your look, like, what is your process in putting that all together? So my process, I would say, like, with drag, you have, like, people who take it like not so serious and that's something with drag that you're not supposed to do is like be so serious and be so calculated but I guess my thing is there's times where I show up to the gig and I don't know what I'm performing until they call my name and I'm like okay play that song 
Um, but as far as like drag and like doing pageants, which I've done before, like a pageant, you have to be calculated. Yeah. Like you have to go in and be like, I want to win. And this is what I think would be the best package that people would present when it comes to the way I approach drag and like performing. I just think about like what makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. Like I really love reality TV, especially Mm -hmm. like, uh, Real Housewives of Potomac and Atlanta and like uh, Flavor of Love. So I just think about things that make me feel good. Um, because when I'm doing drag, I know, like, a lot of people think that it's, like, a, a selfish art. Like, you're doing it for yourself, which you have to do. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the best kind of drag or the best kind of moment that you make with drag is, like, when you perform something and a, somebody will come up to you after your number and they're like, that number touched me. Or I had to Shazam that number because that, like, struck a core memory with me. So yeah. I yeah. think mm-hmm. with my drag, it's more so me doing something I love but also, like, contributing to the community and making other people feel welcome and safe and included. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. I always feel the most, like, confident even at drag shows, which is interesting. Like, there are times where I'm just, like, I feel like watching drag queens look and come across so empowering and, like, confident, sexy, strong makes me kind of feel confident, sexy, strong. So I love that about drag shows. I love that. It's amazing. How do you, like... Pick what songs you want to do. You did say that, like, obviously sometimes you don't know what song you're going to do. But, like, if you are in that process of putting together a show or or a performance, what is that like? When it comes to, like, music and what makes you feel good, a lot of people, especially, like, seasoned queens in the community, they always tell you, like, oh, do a top 40 song. Do something that's on the charts right now because the kids will live for it. Um, But I like sometimes where it's, like, you have that one song. It's just, like, that's my jam, and -hmm. I don't care Mm -hmm. if no one else is singing along with me. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, I've done Cheetah Girls in the club before, and I'm, like, I know that's, like, tired, but, like, everybody goes up for it. And um, (laughs) so when it comes to picking a song, I always have, like, a repertoire of songs I can pull from. Like, I know people are going to love any kind of Beyonce, um, Lizzo especially. Or there's sometimes where I'm, like, I'm not having the best day, so I'll do, like, a deep cut. Like, nobody will ever know the song, and then I'll just go and have a ball with it. You have, like, one song you think is, like, your, like, theme song, your anthem. Um, I would say my theme song would probably be my first ever song I performed in drag, Fallen by Lizzo. Love. I love it. Yeah, I think that's, like, my, that's, like, my theme song. As you've been dealt with, like, setbacks or, like, struggles and, like, anything that comes with, like, you know, breaking into the drag scene. What were those hurdles that you encountered and how did you overcome them? Hurdles that I've encountered more so is like, I'm a very opinionated person. I'm not the kind of person where someone can like piss on my leg and then convince me that it's raining. I'm like (laughs) kind of like what you see is what you get. And I feel like the best policy or the best thing you can do in this life is just be honest Mm -hmm. and be upfront and real, especially for us being in like the LGBTQIA plus community. We preach like, inclusivity and acceptance um so it's just like if we're gonna preach that then we also need to be that Mm -hmm. so i think with me it was more so me kind of having like a run-in like with seasoned queens in the community or just people who felt like because i may not come from the same background or grew up the same way that they did that i'm not as valuable or as important so that kind of didn't sit well with me but i'm like a worker bee especially when it comes like in drag and out of drag, so I'm like, okay, if you don't see it for me, as long as I can see it for myself, then that's all we need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just kind of like pushing through and just kind of like keeping my head down, but like also if something is wrong, then I'll say something, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah, that's great. That's a great yeah. mindset to have. One question that I always have is I feel like the outfits for drag is always like top tier and yours are always 
the sleigh. Like it's I so try good. To be. <laughs> so do you design your outfits? Like how is how do you put together those outfits? Like what is that like? So there's like a part of me where I'm like okay, I can, like, I have a concept or, like, I'm really inspired by, like, reality TV, like, cartoons. Most importantly, like, the supermodels, like, Mm -hmm. Naomi and Mm -hmm. Iman. Mm -hmm. So I'll kind of go back and, like, nothing is, like, really new. We're just constantly, like, changing and uh, fixing things. So there's a part of me, like, where I'm like, okay, like, I like this concept or I like this color. But then there's sometimes where when you have designers that you work with, they'll make things. And I'm like, oh, I like that. I want that, but I want it in, like, a different color. Yeah. And then do you get it made? Like, oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Earlier you mentioned having, like, a drag family. Mm-hmm. Do you kind of want to talk about what that is and how you found yours? So a drag family is kind of like in the community. We have, like, our chosen family. Mm-hmm. And it's not, like a blood relative. It's just kind of like your tribe, people that you like groove with like your best Judy's or just like people who you know, like if I call you at 3 a.m., you're going to answer the phone for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So with a drag family, it's more so just like artists or entertainers who come together. We kind of have like common goals or we're just really close. Um, So like with me and Amethyst, like my first time out in drag, it was just me and her. So that's Mm -hmm. like my day one, A1. And then as we continue to build ourselves in the community, uh, we found our drag mother who is a Tiger Thundercat out of Minneapolis and the Twin Cities. And... Our mother kind of was like, you know, Amethyst, you remind me of, like, the sultry side of me. And then, like, me being a Leo, my mother was like, you're like the mouth. Like, (laughs) you're the mouthpiece. You're going to say what needs to be said if no one wants to say it. So it's just kind of like you find people who you gel with and kind of click with. Or Mm -hmm. you you see something in them that reminds you of yourself. So that's kind of like what a drag family is. Yeah. For, like, an aspiring, like, drag queen, what advice would you give them for finding their drag family or drag mother? I would say, like, don't force it mm-hmm. and let it come naturally because you see a lot of, like, people who start drag and they're like, I'm starting drag and I'm passionate about this and I want to have a family and I want to have that uh, connection. I feel like it's more natural if someone comes up to you and they're like, hey, kid, I see what you're doing and you're doing a great job. Like, I want to, like, take you under my wing because if you yeah. try to force it, like, you can manifest it because I've seen it happen, but, like, trying to force it, right. it won't be, like, a genuine connection. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think oftentimes, especially recently in the world, like, I think politically, like, drag queens have become kind of like a target yeah. on their back. And, and I think, you know, I can imagine for you like, that can be something tricky to navigate, and there can be people that maybe are being unfair to you or treating you just with disrespect at times, even not specifically now, but just in the past. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? Or do you just say, fuck it? <laughs> well, I mean, both. Like, there's a part of me where I'm just kind of like, you know, like what RuPaul says, like, if you're not paying my bills, I'm not going to pay you any mind. Like, yeah. if you're not making a way or opportunity or being inclusive, then I'm not going to, like, feed into it. But then there's sometimes where you have to say something. So I'm always, like, ready to come out guns a-blazing. Yeah. Because, <laughs> right. I mean, like, I like to argue, but not, like, in a toxic way. Just, like, mm-hmm. debate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I feel like that. it's good to have, like, those conversations, whether it's, like, if it benefits the situation at hand, then, like, perfect. But if it doesn't, then I'm glad that you got to say what you had to say, but I'm also going to say what I have to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for people just, like, coming for drag queens, I think it's more so, like, when you see something in someone else and they're living their life and they're having fun and, you know, just being, like, unabashedly themselves, sometimes, like you're prone to be jealous Mm -hmm. because you're like, okay, how come I don't have that? And they can do that, you know? Yeah, Yeah. no, I agree. I feel like with my experience when I've told a lot of mainly straight men about drag or drag shows, drag queens, 
they always have some kind of, you know, hesitation with going to shows or wanting to kind of get more involved in, you know, attendance to events and stuff like that. Do you think that you would like to see more straight men or women at shows? Or do you kind of like having attendance be a little more within the gay community? I would say, like, for me personally, drag is an art and artist subjective. And that means, like, open to all. I've done drag in a church. Um, that was crazy. That's sorry for another time. I've done drag in a church. I've done drag, like, at a protest yeah. with all, like, the Black Lives Matter movement. I was, like, performing, like, on concrete. Um, so I feel like drag is just, like, it's a political statement mm-hmm. in itself. Drag is open to everybody as far as, like, straight people having kind of, like, a a disdain for drag. It, I feel like it's just more so kind of like the way that you're like raised. Because yeah. we're all, for the most part, raised to like try to be in this bubble. Be bright, but not be too bright. And be loud, but not so loud. When you see people who are like not fitting the status quo and just kind of making their own way and marching to the beat of their own drum, it's kind of like, okay, well, maybe that's not for me. But it's yeah. just more so like people just not being comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like... I think especially places like Hamburger Mary's where it's very heavily like females that are like straight women yeah. who are there for like an engagement party or something. Bachelorette. Bachelor, yeah. Bachelorette parties, yeah. yeah. Like, is is it weird for you when like your community isn't in the audience or does it just not, it's just like, oh, you know, they're, just here to, they're gonna give me money no matter what. Like, I'm gonna get paid for the gig. Like, do you have a preference? I mean, I don't have a preference because I think there's been times where I've performed for like hundreds of people. There's been times where I've performed for like 12 people. Yeah. And I feel as though like, obviously, you know, with the Bachelorettes, they're coming there. And I think the thing that I like the most is even if it's not a lot of people, if you're like there, you're attentive, you understand what's going on, there's a boundary of respect, yeah. then that's fine, you know. Um, but it also feels good when you see your community or people who look like you. And I feel like it's really like important to see yourself in like mainstream media mm-hmm. and in like a crowd at a club, you know. Yeah, right. Um, so I'm open to all and I support all. But, yeah. you know, when you walk in and you see like, another queen and you just like kind of look at each other from across the room it's like the best feeling whether you know each other or not because you know you're walking in the same path I feel like one question I've always wanted to ask but I was always so afraid it would come across like inappropriate or wasn't really sure how to word it is like how do drag queens or in your opinion just you because you know drag queens it's a large group of people yes um how would you like to be like referenced do you like being referenced as her when you're in drag and so if I was like oh yeah we had you know she was on the podcast do we reference you in drag as she or do we reference you as your personal pronouns outside of drag so for me, it's it's kind of different because everybody else is different. Yeah. And, like, having the conversation about pronouns is, like, such a good thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. for me, personally, I'm open to all pronouns because the way that I think about it is, like, before I started drag, like, I have my, like, biological family, cousins, and mm-hmm. people who have seen me grow from, like, yay high up. So, like, for them, they know he, him. Right. And then for people, when I started doing drag, it was always, like, she, her. Mm-hmm. But I feel like... I'm kind of like in the middle, um, very gender fluid. Mm-hmm. So I just say my personal pronouns are they, them, because mm-hmm. I feel like that's like the most inclusive. You can, and if you were like, oh, they, I had them on the podcast, like they were lovely or, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, so I yeah. feel like that's kind of like if even if you don't know somebody's pronouns, I feel like they, them is probably like the most inclusive. Yeah. Because then you can go from there. Yeah. But I mean, I'm open to all. One thing that I've just kind of noticed 
in like attending drag shows is I feel like oftentimes drag queens are referred to like she. Yeah. Uh, in general. Like in general. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like, is there a standard in within like drag culture that it is always like she as a queen? Like and then like when they're out of drag, then the pronouns are different. With the whole pronouns, I think like the conversation about pronouns is very, very new, even though pronouns have been around yeah. for forever, but like Mm-hmm. them being very like indicative of like getting it right and being respectful is very within the last couple of years. Yeah. But when it comes to drag, most and like the roots of drag, drag is like started by like trans uh, women of color, black and brown, mm-hmm. Latinx women. So when you think about drag, there's all kinds of drag. Yeah. But in the beginning, it was more so like dressing drag, dressing as a girl. Mm-hmm. Like that's the abbreviation or dressing as a woman. And so people are like, oh, hey, sis or hey, girl or right. yes, miss thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's more so like within the last couple of years, everybody's like, OK, I do drag when I'm in drag. You can call me she her when I'm out of drag. Um, you can call me he, him, or mm-hmm. they, them, and especially like with uh, people who identify as non-binary or even gender non-conforming, that's like a whole different thing as well. I remember watching the documentary Paris is Burning for a class, and it's like, I think everybody should watch it. It's such a, well, it's such a great documentary. It's such a, you know, it was the start of kind of that type of documentary in terms of film. I'm sure film majors will critique me on that, but it was really great because I think someone, one of the drag moms did a great job explaining it of like when they were in drag, it was you're a new person. You're the inner side of yourself outside. And I thought that was a great way of putting it. And I was like, that's really great. I remember writing an essay on it. <laughs> like, but do you feel that kind of summary of drag? resonates with you i would say like yes and no mm-hmm. it's kind of it goes back and forth depending on like the day but i do um agree with that like with drag it's more so like for me taking all of the things that i like love so much like i love beauty i love hair i love costumes mm-hmm. so taking all of that it just kind of like expressing it yeah as far as myself when i'm in drag I feel like I'm the same. The only difference is I have on lashes and a wig. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a little lip gloss, nothing nothing major. But right. basically, it's just like me to the like 10th power. Right. Um, but obviously, everybody in drag is different. So I have right. people who are very like friends of mine that are very introverted. They're quiet. They don't talk. But when they put on those heels and they put on that wig, it's like, who is this person? Right. Like, and it, I feel like everybody should do drag because when you put someone in drag for the first time, you don't recognize yourself. You don't yeah. see yourself. You see a totally different person, which is crazy because, like, you see yourself every day. You get up, you look at the mirror. I look at the mirror more than I should. But you look at the mirror, but when you're in drag, it's like you don't see yourself. So it's like you're a brand new person. It's a feeling I can't really, like, describe unless you, like, do it yourself. I've found on this podcast, people that we have on, this is a great place to manifest. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes people that set, that set their goals and say them out loud on here, they come true. So I want to ask, what are your goals when it comes to your career as a drag queen? So my goals, I would say travel with drag and do drag on a mainstream level, um, whether it's a TV show, wink, wink, <laughs> um, um, or just like... To just be recognized, just do this as a career. Because I think drag for me is like the best thing that has ever happened to me. So to be able to do that and to kind of like take the joy that I've like received from doing drag and to spread that to other people. I think that if I'm able to do that on like a mainstream level, that would probably be like 
my biggest dream. Have you ever like thought about auditioning for oh, Drag Race? I, oh, I have. You have? What's the, yes. what's the auditioning process like? Oh, it's so, it's so long. So you have to fill out this like questionnaire. It's like 50 questions. And then they have you do a list of like, you have to like film parts of yourself like out of drag and talk about like, oh, what does your drag character mean? And when did you start drag? And what are your inspirations? And then you have to do called like a snatch game, like kind of like a match game, but yeah. you have to do impersonations because that's like a big mm-hmm. challenge on the show. Mm-hmm. And then you have to film like runways or your looks and then like a performance at the end. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's, it's not bet. for the faint of heart, I promise. <laughs> Outside of drag. For you, being a drag queen and being well-known for that, has there been any challenges within your personal life outside of drag when it comes to dating or relationships or just, like, anything that's been weird to navigate as you've started your career as a drag queen? I would say, like, relationships. Not talked about, but it is, like, within the drag community. Like, relationships in drag is totally different because anybody who I feel like tries to approach me, I'm very oblivious. Like, I'm very, Mm -hmm. like say what you mean, mean what you say, you see something, say something. But when it comes to drag, I feel like there are so many people who try to talk to me and I just don't get it because I'm like, okay, like maybe you're just like liking me or wanting to be around me because you know that I'm like a personality. Mm -hmm. And like as far as drag, there's a thing like in the community called like a chaser. Like somebody who knows like at the end of the day, underneath all this makeup, like I'm a man, like Mm -hmm. this is not, it's a fantasy for them because I look feminine, my voice is feminine, but they know that I'm not like a woman. So it's more so like there are people who will try to like court you because that's a fantasy for them. So that's kind of like weird, but then you also have just like, where sometimes you feel like people just wouldn't want to date a drag queen because they're like, you're too feminine. And like in the community, especially like the gay community, like everybody like yeah. likes masculine t- for you to be kind of small or be nicely built and kind of have like muscles and stuff like that. So it's yeah. different like doing drag. How have you like dealt with people that are like those chasers? Like I just feel like that's really, could be really uncomfortable. It can be, but also like I'm a clown. So like, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's so funny. Like uh, there was this like man from like England who like kept calling me on Facebook. Okay, fan behavior. Yes, on, on kept Facebook, calling, kept I would like calling to me on Facebook. That. And then I had like a Christmas outfit on and he was like, oh, my little chocolate drop. I want to like climb down your chimney. And I was like, well, you're 60, sir. So I don't think you're climbing anywhere. He'd break a hip. Yeah. Yes. I was like, please, where is your orderly? Where is your scooter? <laughs> Facebook nonetheless. Oh, too. Facebook. It's, it's terrible. And then really? the thing that like gets you is like, obviously you have your like network of friends and like yeah. other drag queens. So like before I add anybody, it's a rigorous process. So I like I'll go through your photos and I'm like, okay, are you a real person or is this like fake? Mm-hmm. And then I'll look at like our mutual friends. And there's sometimes where I'm like, okay, like this is like my best friend. So I know they're not gonna add like somebody who's crazy. Right. And then I add them and then it's just Then they're crazy. Feel like there is kind of this drag queen fetish. Like I know you're talking about chasers and that being a fantasy. Do you think it kind of does kind of borderline into a fetish where that's like the only thing some men will want. I think it it borderlines between like a fetish of a drag queen or Mm -hmm. a fetish of just trans women. Yeah. Because a lot of people think that like you do drag, like you must be like either trans or like gender nonconforming, but mostly like it's mostly just them scouting out or looking for trans women. How does it make you feel when people uh, relate or say that drag queens are trans or in order to be like a drag queen, you have to be transgender. 
I think it's weird for somebody just to make that or use deductive reasoning to think that. Mm-hmm. But because everybody's different, you know. Right. There are some people who just like, like Maddie Morphosis, who was just on the last season of Drag Race, is a full straight man. Yeah. Has mm-hmm. a girlfriend and all. And does drag because it's an art, you know. Yeah. Just because, you know, you're putting on a wig and a dress doesn't mean like you have the desire to be a woman. But sometimes in order to like get your message across, sometimes you just kind of have to change the outside. Well, and they call makeup artists makeup artists, and you guys, I mean, I'm looking at your eyeshadow. I can never do that in a million years. Oh, this only took me like two minutes. Please don't say that. It <laughs> did. It did. I was <laughs> rushing to be here That would take me like two hours to like blend. I could it's never do so it. so well blended. You oh, thank you. I would I tried. I tried. <laughs> I'm not a Pablo Picasso. No. It looks so good. Shut up. You host uh, Ungodly Gossip at This Is It. What is the experience, and can you kind of like, describe like the structure and process of becoming a host of your own show and then also kind of what is the experience on the other side you know as the performer in those shows so from the producer side of the show with ungodly gossip we really started like at the bottom we were just in the dressing room booked in the same show me and rachel slurs hey girl (laughs) (laughs) so we were just booked in the same show and just as friends do we're just like cutting up and having a great time and one of the general managers at the time comes downstairs in the middle of our like kiki and was like this is really funny both y'all are very spontaneous and we can do something with this so then we were like filming episodes like during the pandemic and um it would air on facebook and youtube and we listened to like a lot of podcasts like i listen to this podcast regularly um and like (laughs) sibling rivalry with bobby Monet and just like I feel like if you're a very like spontaneous person or you're just have the gift of gab you can just like have a conversation and it be like funny and entertaining so with me and Rachel we that's how we started and then we ended up filling in a couple times at tits and they were like y'all are like one of the two of the best hosts that they have and we just get together every time and we just have a good time so the producer side is a little stressful because you have to kind of like wrangle everybody in their schedules, kind of like how y'all yeah. do here when you have guests. Yeah. But I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And then as a performer, sometimes it's it's better. I like to perform more th- sometimes than I like to talk, even though I talk a lot. Because then I can just like compress and not have that pressure of having yeah. to like keep the show flowing and make sure everybody's in their spot. And it's just fun to just show up and just have a good time. And then after the show's over, we just get drunk. <laughs> I love that. I love Amazing. that. I love so, that. so as a host, are you're putting together who is on each show, right? Mm-hmm. So what is kind of your process in determining who you want to put on the show is there regular people that are on each time or what is that like for me i've been hosting like i started drag in 2017 and then i was hosting my own show with my sister vanilla diamond um at five nightclub in madison and it was more so like we just thought about if we had to do the best drag show ever what will we need so i'm like okay well i can dance and you're funny so we have that covered now we need somebody who's just like glamorous like somebody who's just like they walk out and you can't do anything but look at them Mm -hmm. but also it's like you have those kind of like quotas that you're trying to fill but then also it's drag and we want to be inclusive so if someone reaches out to me and they say hey like i really love your show i've come and i support you and i just want to be a part of this okay, you can do the show. Because I feel good about giving, like, people either their first opportunity with drag and being able to have that moment and to be supported. Because when you do drag the first time, you're like, okay, like, you're not super confident. Because especially if you, like, do your own makeup or you just feel like you're not looking how you thought you were going to look in your mind. Like, I know what that process is. And it's good to have people around you to kind of, like, 
hype you up and to like make you feel good about yourself. I like to help people get their first bearings or their opportunity, but also you have people who are like, I have to have you at my show. Like it wouldn't be a show without you. What advice would you give those kind of fresh and new into the drag scene? What advice would you give them for being successful for the next however many years they do it? There was like a saying I saw on Instagram and it said, be humble, be kind, but read a bitch if they get out of line. I feel like that (laughs) is the best thing because when you first start drag or you're new, a lot of people will try to like take advantage of that or kind of like play on your intelligence because they feel like because you don't have as many years in the game or you kind of like don't know what you're doing or solidified yourself yet that they can like talk to you any kind of way or Mm kind of dress up a backhanded compliment as constructive criticism. So just being able to know your worth and to know at the end of the day, like whether you're performing for thousands of people or like 12 people, like you have to do drag for yourself, but also because you love it. You know, a lot of people think that, oh, drag is about the money and it is sometimes because <laughs> it's it's really cute. People like a drag queen and they'll, they will tip you handsomely, Good. but also being able to be okay with like, even if you make like $3, if you go out there and you do something that makes you feel proud of yourself, then I think that's worth its weight in gold. Was it like closing thoughts that you would give those in the LGBTQI plus community, maybe they are drag queens or they are interested in to drag? Um, what is like overall just like, career and life advice that you would give them? I would say continue to keep being authentic. That is the best thing that I can just say to anybody, just to keep doing what you love to do. Also, just like if you see someone needing help, just be that like kind person, you know, Mm -hmm. especially because like being in the LGBTQIA plus community, I don't think it's been like a cakewalk for anyone. So like to have to like take that And then let's just say your person of color, add that on top. Mm -hmm. And then also just like do drag. That's like Yahtzee right there. So (laughs) I'm just like problems. So it's just like when you see like other people in the community, just like be a listening ear or like a helping hand if people need help. Because like with doing drag, we're like the Tinkerbells of the community. Like we need love and attention. Otherwise we'll die. But also like... (laughs) Tinkerbell had the best outfits and best hair, so. Agreed. Period. Wendy had nothing. <laughs> Wendy At all. Not nothing. Giving. Wendy no. was not giving. Well, thank you so much, Anya, for taking the time to join us today. <laughs> Do you want to give everyone your socials so they can check you out? Um, if you like me, you can follow me on Facebook. Why wouldn't they like you? Well, I don't know. <laughs> hey, I, I'm not going to be everybody's favorite flavor, um, but I'm still tasty. Uh, <laughs> so if you like me or you enjoyed me, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at the only on your knees. On Twitter, you can follow me at Nisa's Christ. Thank you so much, Anya. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you so much. So so we'll see you next Thursday. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.